All right, here we go. I got episode one created. It's a real thing. The podcast is happening. Haven't told anyone except accidentally Mike Pesca on Twitter, which is a terrifying experience because he tweeted me back and said that he was going to listen to it. And I told him not to, but that's okay. Um, I think this project is a lot more for me than for anybody else. So uh, one thing about that is I found that during today's episode, an interview with my dear old friend Grace Rother, um, when I forgot to turn on my microphone during the interview, um, that's something that would have usually caused me a lot of uh, anxiety and self-bullying. And uh, I think I'm just so happy to be doing a creative project for myself and without having to answer to anybody else that uh, just felt like a rookie mistake and a good story and I'd be able to move on from it. So there's my little therapeutic 30 seconds for you. Anyway, today's episode, as I said, is with Grace Rather. I've known Grace probably since I was about four years old. Um, our mothers were friends, and she is a really special person. I think that she sees life very acutely and through an interesting lens. And I could have talked to her about a lot of different things, but she is going to the U of M art school right now, and one of the things that she has been focusing on artistically is her interactions with different people in customer service jobs that she's worked over the years. So Grace has worked since she was 14 at lots of Ann Arbor institutions, including Campus Barber, the Food Co-op, the Birkenstock Store, the Farmer's Market, and the Ann Arbor School of Yoga. So she has had the chance to work at all kinds of different customer service jobs. This conversation grew out of that trove of experiences. And like I said, uh, forgot to turn my mic on. That's okay. Grace happens to speak eloquently and in full sentences without any prodding. So I've mostly edited myself out. Uh, we also tend to laugh a lot. So there's that. Hope you enjoy it. She made me think. And um, stay tuned for episode two. Well, I started working when I was 14, and I worked at Campus Barber. And I was a receptionist. And my favorite part of the job was talking to all of the people who came in all the time and the regulars and getting to know people. And it was also where I'd gotten my hair cut when I was little, so the regulars were also people that I'd known my entire life. And it was really nice to sort of build a rapport with people on this kind of superficial level that I could easily fall into regardless of what else was going on in my life. And then after that, it just... There were just lots of jobs on 4th <laughs> My last year of high school, I worked at the Ann Arbor School of Yoga, and I, uh, I cleaned the studio, and I sent emails reminding people that they owed us money, which was kind of fun because it would be like, hey, you haven't paid your membership fees. Please pay us $120 or whatever. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> There are definitely people who I have seen at every place that I work. Um, 
you know, they got their hair cut at Campus Barber, <laughs> and they did yoga at the Ann Arbor School of Yoga, and then they would come into the co-op. I especially noticed this when I was working at the co-op because someone would come in, and um, at the Ann Arbor School of Yoga, I was doing a lot of emailing to members, and so I didn't necessarily have faces to match with names. And then someone would come in, and they would give me their co-op member number, and their name would pop up on the screen, and I'd be like, oh, so-and-so, like, you owe us so much money. <laughs> or you're like, you haven't paid your membership dues at the Ann Arbor School of Yoga in years. <laughs> um, it's mostly white, middle-aged, married couples who are in some way affiliated with U of M. Maybe they graduated there and stayed. I think usually they graduated there in the 70s or early 80s and stayed. And, um, you know, clothing types, lifestyles are a little more diverse, but that's kind of the, the demographic that I see throughout all of my jobs. I mean, everybody buys stuff. And the act of going to a store and getting something especially necessities. Like at the yoga school, that was sort of its own world because um, people are doing it for all different reasons, and you don't have to. You don't have to do yoga. Um, <laughs> as it turns out, <laughs> you'd probably be happier and healthier if you do, but you don't have to. Um, but at the co-op, people had to come in and buy stuff. And sometimes there was a resentment because they had to come in, and they didn't have time to drive out to Myers, so they had to buy their, like, toilet paper at the co-op, and it's more expensive. And But whatever it is, I think the act of buying something, especially the act of buying something like your standard groceries, sort of brings people down to this level of, like, base human interaction. <laughs> and it... If whatever else you believe in life sort of disappears and your whole goal <laughs> is to get this thing and get out. And I, So I have this really weird perspective on people who I've known for a long time from Ann Arbor businesses from seeing them at the co-op and having them sort of like devolve into this person who has no ability to interact with someone on a level beyond like get me this toilet paper and get me out of here as fast as possible. And it goes both ways. Or it doesn't go... It, it, there are two sides to it. You know, on the one hand, you have people who look at you and just see, um, you know, worker, like, person between me and outside. And then there are people who are like, who are you, stranger, who is trapped here and must talk to me? <laughs> Tell me everything about you. All My whole goal in coming in to buy this toilet paper was actually to like learn your entire life story. So I spend a lot of time talking to strangers, and there are patterns that emerge. And some of them are great. Um, there are people, like I said, who I've been working with, working with, who have come to the places that I work for 10 years, and we have a rapport, and it's a comfort to see them. And... There's familiarity, um, and I can always trust them to be real with me and also be polite. And then there are also people who just are, I think there's something about our culture right now, or maybe our culture always, where interacting with strangers is really hard. And 
some people go about it in ways that are really strange. (laughs) And sometimes I can totally handle it. And then there are days where someone will corner me and just like blast me with a million super personal questions. And I just kind of can't handle that. You know, it it feels like there's an expectation that my life is also for sale or my (laughs) person is also a product of the place I'm working but so there's sort of this interview process too that's like well who are you that I'm here I'm here and I want to know who you are and you know I don't just want to buy pea shoots I want to like know who you are that picked them and who you are that is selling them and your whole life story and um it's totally, it's totally strange, and usually it's fine and really easy to brush off, and then there are a couple of persistent, like, older men who just get to me. So sometimes I make art as a way of dealing with frustration there, and also sort of the silencing of customer service and feeling like you can't say anything in the moment, or you can't react in the moment because you're at work and you're getting paid to be a nice person, um, but then later having these feelings of regret, like, oh, I should have stuck up for myself. Why didn't I say something? Yeah, are you being paid to be a nice person in a in a customer service industry? Maybe that's a stupid question. I think so. I think that um, kindness sells, and you are expected to be kind to people who come in and help them and do the most that you can to make them happy. And it it goes better for you if you're being nice, <laughs> to be totally honest. I mean, if you're rude, the other person you're interacting with pretty immediately shifts to rude. Um, but it also really throws people if you're being super nice and they do something that makes you uncomfortable. And, you, you know, you can't – it's like such a split-second interaction. It's like you have 30 seconds, and it can go from super great to super uncomfortable really fast. <laughs> but there's no moment where you can be like – Let's talk about why you just made me uncomfortable <laughs> because they really just want to leave, you know. And it's you know, there's no place for that lesson. I haven't figured out how to quickly issue that that message <laughs> in an effective way can within you, 30 seconds. Can you say a time when like when kind of looking back you wish more than another time that you had said something? Um Yeah, at the co-op there were a couple times that there were just these sort of older guys and I mean I was like 18 and I didn't really realize I thought they were just being really nice and then like really really nice and then like (laughs) really really nice (laughs) but um I wish that I had been a little more reserved uh it's always kind of it's a mixed bag it's like on the one hand I wish that they had had a little more uh reserve and I also wish that I had sort of met the situation with a little more guardedness which is such a sad thing to say because it's like you want to be totally open and happy and welcoming of whatever's going to come into your life but at the same time um in the last few years I've really benefited from setting setting up these walls when I am at work and kind of making boundaries for myself and not crossing them so that I know really clearly when someone else is crossing my boundaries. And um, is that, like, a different, like, if you're at a party, do you feel like you put those up? Because it's not like crazy people selectively only come into one place. Like, they are, you know, forever 1% of any population right. that you're around. Or 40. 
Um, yeah, I think it kind of is good anytime I'm interacting with strangers or people I don't know, like any kind of social situation. I feel like I've gotten a lot better about setting boundaries for myself and then also just being aware of other people um, around my boundaries. And it's a good thing. It's also, um, it's it's different. It's, um, you know, when I was 18 and working at the co-op and I did not have those boundaries, uh, I was like totally beloved by the customers. <laughs> like everybody loved me and I knew it and it was a really <laughs> good feeling. And, um, but that came with these kind of, awful situations that I would immediately fall into um, and now I feel like my reserve kind of sets this distance between me and the customers and um, it makes it a lot harder to imagine anything beyond a superficial relationship with them. Well that makes me think of something that you said like around this which is why I wanted to have this conversation because I think about it a lot. You, s- <laughs> you just makes me sound like an asshole. <laughs> But we were kind of talking about this stuff, and you said, I treat everyone that I meet like they're a potential friend. And that just, like, blew my mind, because <laughs> I definitely don't do that. Like, um, yeah, where does that come from? I don't, my mom, maybe? Well, you're friends. I mean, you're friends with, like, everyone. Like, you know yeah. so many people in this community. Right, it's true. And there, there are a lot of different levels to that. Um, but, yeah, I would count a lot of people in Ann Arbor as my friend. And part of that is just living here my entire life. I mean, there are, you know, it it, it benefits me. This is like the cold calculating side of it. It benefits me a lot more to have a whole crew of people around me all the time who love me and support me than to burn bridge after bridge. And But, I, you know, I wouldn't have gotten most of the jobs that I have that I've had in Ann Arbor without knowing somebody. Um, and that is, it's it's work on its own. It's a kind of commitment to a place and to the community. And, um, you know, joking aside, there are definitely people who I have set up these walls against and sort of wouldn't wouldn't probably be too sad about burning a bridge there. Um, but for the most part, the people I interact with every day, I kind of view everybody as someone who is in my life in one way or another and has sort of untapped potential, um, maybe as a friend, maybe as a future employer. Um, that's the thing about working in customer services. You don't always know who everybody is, you know, like, oh, you always buy organic polenta, but like there's this guy who comes into the farmer's market or comes to the farmer's market to our stall and, um. He's so nice, and I've always known him as, like, the guy who comes in really early, and he's really nice and uh, easy to talk to and and friendly. And he's also an amazing, famous sculptor and has a piece in the DIA. And getting to talk to him about that was a really interesting experience for me that if I was just, like, I don't know, hadn't, hadn't made an effort to talk to him, probably wouldn't have gotten to have. Like, I got to hear him talk about dropping his piece off at the DIA and taking it to this room and setting it down and then turning around and there was a Van Gogh painting like <laughs> leaning against the wall and what it felt like as an artist to be 
in the same room and have your art sitting next to a Van Gogh. And I mean, I can only like hope to someday feel something. Maybe my stuff will be sitting next to his thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, it's sort of you, you catch more flies with honey. That's totally cliche, but it's true. Um, at the same time, you know, when I was 18, I met my boyfriend because he was a customer at the co-op, and I don't know now that I would could open up that much in a customer service situation to be like, oh, we should be in a relationship. But maybe if they were really attractive, <laughs> I would feel differently. <laughs> Do you feel like this issue is, like, settled in your head? I know you've spent a lot of time thinking about it, but, like, um, like if you were to talk to a brand-new pretty 18 year old co-op female employee would you know what to say like this is how you treat people this is how you yeah. go through life socially well it was my job to train cash new cashiers for a while um which I was terrible at um and what I learned was that it doesn't really matter what you say when it came to actually interacting with people everybody just does their own thing and you know, I don't think I'm that strange in that a lot of the 18-year-old girls who would start would be, like, super friendly and then super bummed <laughs> with how that turned out. But it's really hard to, like, warn someone that they should be jaded. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> it's hard to say that. Did you try? Yeah. You did? Like, oh, yeah. Sound like coming out as, like... Oh, be like, you know, like, position. maybe don't be so nice. I don't... <laughs> I know that that person seems like a nice person, and they probably are, but maybe they're not. <laughs> um, I I remember my first week at the co-op, uh, and there, I was working with this guy who had been training me named Paul, and it was the end of like my fifth shift, and we were both tired, and this guy came through my lane, and I checked him out, and said goodbye to him, and Paul turned to me and was like, you are just always so nice to everybody. Like, how do you do that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I remember that a lot, and I try, I try to remember that when I start to feel, like, um, burned out or tired or um, too jaded. Because he noticed it, and it was really a nice thing to me to, to have somebody notice that and to have that be a defining characteristic and also to know that that was what I was putting out into the world. Um, so I try to remember that and get back to that, <laughs> to being nice to people. That was Grace. She's great, isn't she? Um, if you want to check out some of the stuff that Grace is doing right now, she does design and coordination at the the Clark Library on the second floor of the Hatcher Graduate Library at U of M. And uh, right now she has two exhibits up. One is called Thank You, which features um, gifts of maps from donors from the last hundred years. She also did design work for an exhibit called Banner Moments, uh, which is dedicated to the Star Spangled Banner. So that's crazy. Um, yeah, also, obviously, you can stop by and see Grace's friendly face at the farmer's market, but I won't tell you where because you might be a creepy person that will bother her. Thanks for listening.